Thank you for listening to The Rest is History. For bonus episodes, early access, ad-free listening, and access to our chat community, sign up at restishistorypod.com. That's restishistorypod.com. This is a preview of our first live streamed episode for members of our new The Rest is History Club. To access the full episode, go to restishistorypod.com. Restishistorypod.com. How many roads must a man walk down before you call him a man? How many seas must a white dove sail before she sleeps in the sand? Yes, and how many times must the cannonballs fly before they're forever banned? The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. The answer is blowing in the wind. Dominic, that, of course, was uh, Bob Dylan. <laughs> Richard Nixon. <laughs> it was Bob Dylan. It was Bob Dylan blowing in the wind. Uh, and he, of course, is the great troubadour of the 60s, which is the subject for this, our first members live event. Uh, and uh, Dominic, I'm sure you'll join with me in saying a huge thank you and a welcome to everyone who has joined us. I will us. do. Uh, but before I welcome the, the audience, I will just say... Even by your own standards, <laughs> that was a truly <laughs> remarkable, remarkable impersonation. I Thank hope you'll you. be giving Thank us you. some that's more Bob Dylan. No, that's um, very kind. Thank later, you. Later in the show. So, yes, this is very exciting for us. Um, we never expected so many people to sign up. Um, so we sort of thought we'd be doing it to, you know, three men and a dog. Um, and it's amazing, actually, Tom, to see the chat. So we've got the chat window open and we can see Louise from Stockholm, Samuel from a place called Bumpass, Virginia. Well, maybe it uh, doesn't quite have the same um, connotations Jeanette in America. Cock from the state of Washington. Amy from Ohio. Friedrich from Amsterdam. Yeah. Decoy 005 from sunny Leeds. Aidan Kelly from <laughs> Kiora. So anyway, lots of people. Thanks so much for, for, for joining us. Um, and Dominic, I guess that, that, uh, that rendition of Blown in the Wind, which I, I, I thought was superb. Um, yeah, of course you did. I mean, that, that kind of sums up the, the way that people see... The 60s today, uh, an age of liberation, of freedom, of wind blowing away, atrophied, old fashioned structures. Um, and I know that it's it's <laughs> it's a take on the 60s that you don't necessarily agree with, do you? Well, not everybody sees the 60s that way. So the 60s have always been contested ever since they happened. Um, and actually, there's no really agreed definition of what the 60s were, Tom, because nobody thinks the 60s began on the 1st of January 1960 and ended on the 31st of December 1969. And obviously, the, the period has different connotations in the US, in Britain, in Europe. I mean, beyond Europe, you know, in Eastern Europe, in China, the 60s means something completely different. So yeah. I guess one of the things we'll be untangling is um, whether we're talking about this period, roughly from... 1960 to 1970 or we're talking about a sort of phenomenon of individualism liberation some people would say of fragmentation who knows i mean we're going to unpack all that aren't we should we kick off with a question we will yeah uh, and, and we have a very good question from mark kirk are the 60s a real break with the past or just the climax of something that started earlier 
What's a great thing about this, Tom, is that it's our very first one, and the question that appeared on screen was not the same as the question you read out. <laughs> so we've started with precisely the degree of professionalism that um, <laughs> people will expect. So the question that you asked, are the 60s a real, a real break with the, the past or the climax of something that started earlier? I would say it's a... It's a it's a, a, a continuation of trends that were there before the Second World War, and had actually been um, interrupted by the war and by the austerity that followed it. So, if you take, I mean, sixties, everybody equates with youth culture. Youth culture was there in Embraer in the nineteen thirties. Teenagers is a nineteen thirties term. The kind of marketing world that creates the youth culture. It's an American term, right? Yeah, it's an American term. So that's also a crucial part of it. Yes, it's a kind of an important punctuation mark in the process of Americanization as much as anything else. It is, but it's not just that. So I think it's also a, a I mean, if you were being very Marxist about it, Tom, which you know I love to be, you could say I it was do, a, yeah. develop, a stage in the development of capitalism and of consumer culture, um, which I think would have happened earlier had it not been for the war. Um, the 60s is also, I mean, there's so much sort of tangled up. There's race and gender there's kind of sexual liberation, there's decolonization, there's the Cold War. So it's not just, it's clearly not one thing. And actually, uh, one of the funny things about talking about the 60s is normally two different people don't mean the same thing when they talk about it. So I guess you and I probably don't understand the 60s because you probably think of it in terms of, I mean, well, I, you know what I think of it. I'm not going to prejudge you, Tom, but I'm, I, I think the C word is going to come up. Whereas yes. I think the 60s is created largely by economics. But yeah, I don't think it's a break. I don't think it's a break at all. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's one of the... I mean, you know what I think. I, I, I think that it is one of the, the great revolutionary decades in the history of what could, was once Christendom. And I think it's wow. up there with the... Yes, with the, yes. I think, it's up there with, I think it's up there with the 1520s. Uh-huh. I think it's up there with the 1790s. Yeah. As a time where deep-seated cultural trends that 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 essentially are bred of christian europe evolve and have a kind of massive growth spurt yes. and i think that that is the overarching context but i completely agree that obviously there are all kinds of factors that go into that process of which the economy all kinds of things like that are, are absolutely a part uh, and i i do also think that a, that a really key role is that the 60s is where people you know a generation is emerging that had not fought in the war yeah but i think that the understanding of the war is is really fundamental to it and i remember when i so when i was um i guess getting into the the beatles when i was 10 so that was 1978 and the second world war and and the 60s seemed unimaginably apart I mean, completely yeah, separate. Of course. But now, with the benefit of my huge, my many, many years, um, it seems really obvious that the 60s is, is a kind, you know, it exists in the context of the previous generation and as a reaction against a lot that the war had represented. Well, obviously, there are lots of people around in the 60s who remember the war, who are shaped by the war. So almost all the politicians have been involved in, in the war, in the war period in one way or another. Obviously, de Gaulle... Um, you know, John F. Kennedy served in the war. Nixon served in the war in Britain. You know, you've got the young generation like Dennis Healy and Roy Jenkins. They're all shaped by the war. But you're right that there's a generation who are maybe, let's say, in their 20s who are, well, in Britain and America, I think they're probably, particularly in Britain, actually, they're sick of the war and sick of the hearing about it. And there's a definite reaction against it. 
It's different, isn't it, in Europe? So in West Germany, for example. Well, they're really sick of the war. <laughs> well, they, yes. But so we talked in our, in our German Chancellor's podcast. Remember the Angela to Adenauer to Angela? We yeah. talked about Kurt Kiesinger and um, all these kinds of characters in the, in the 60s in Germany who were, who had, uh, you know, a lot of them had quite dubious war records. And then you get the reaction later on, late 60s and 70s, against them and a feeling that West Germany hasn't yet sort of wrestled sufficiently with its kind of Nazi past. So, um, yeah, I think the war is there. I think the war where they are, uh, the 60s now look closer to the war than they did 20 years ago. We don't, div I don't think we inevitably and automatically divide up post-war history into these completely distinct chunks in the way that we did before. So there's more kind of continuity. I still think that the 60s... You think it's a big reaction? They are a kind of self-contained. You do? I, I, I do. Yeah, I do. I do. And I think also a further... Um, a reason why the, the 60s, even while it's been, people are living through it, it, self, it, it feels very self-consciously um, new and keen to reject much of what had gone before is the fact that the Second World War has given birth to the Cold War. Yeah. And there is, a, a, you know, for the first, this, this is the first generation that is growing up with the consciousness that the entire world could be annihilated. Uh, so this Cuban Missile Crisis, obviously, October 1962. I suppose some people would say the moment that the world comes closest to World War Three. I have a very... Uh, I have a slightly sceptical relation sort of attitude to a lot of this because a lot of people say, well, life in the 60s is completely overshadowed by the bomb and by CND in Britain. It's not completely overshadowed, is it? But I mean, it's it's a kind of nagging anxiety at the back of the mind that had not previously existed. Well, it existed in the 50s. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely exists yeah, okay. in the 50s. And I think it's also, there's always a danger. I mean, you know my views on the 60s. You know that I think there's always a danger of reducing it too much to the sort of concerns of the Tom Hollands of this world and that the uh, the horny-handed sons and daughters of toil... The Sandbrooks. Their, their concerns are sometimes neglected. And I think there's definitely particular people who are very fixated on the fear of nuclear Armageddon, but they don't necessarily speak for the entire... I mean, most people are just kind of putting out the bins, aren't they? They're just kind of getting on with life. They, yeah, they, they, they are. They are. But but in a in a sense, the kind of the clinging to normality is is precisely the response to it. You could say, well, or it could just be being normal. I mean, you're yeah, but I, you're, but, 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 yeah, but, but I think but I think that normality, you know. So that is the start of our live episode on the 1960s, and it only gets better and better. To listen to the full thing, join the club. www.restishistorypod.com and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to The Rest is History. For bonus episodes, early access, ad-free listening, and access to our chat community, please sign up at restishistorypod.com. That's restishistorypod.com. Thank you.